That'd really irritate you after a while, wouldn't it? And you realise it's a stand. Anyway, let's uh, pray as we before we begin. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we, um, we thank you for your love. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that now as we come to hear your word, that, um, that you would give us an ear to hear what you have to say, uh, Lord, and hearts to really take it in, that we might be a people of God that not only hears but is transformed and is moved to live more for the praise of your name. Father, the words that I speak, may they be from you, Father. May the thoughts of our hearts be from you. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, we're beginning a, a new series tonight. It's on uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles there, we're going to have a look at the first nine verses. Can someone, uh, who's in the lights, just turn, turn it down a bit? It's a little bit bright. Um, and as we, as we read, uh, before we kind of read the passage, let me just uh, encourage us as well to, um, I don't know, to really, really listen carefully. Um, I think sometimes we, we, we might be familiar with uh, verses or whatever, but then we kind of, and we close ourselves off to it or we expect uh, the preacher to yell at us so we get a point. And I think what God does, he sometimes just whispers and he longs for us just to kind of draw closer and think and concentrate even harder and end up get some great stuff from his word. So let me find it as well. Stop talking, eh? Uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians verses, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Let's start um, with a little bit of background to this letter. Um, For those of us who are a bit unsure of of where it fits in, the writer of the letter, letter, the letter, whatever that is, the writer of the letter is Paul, and uh, Paul was initially a a persecutor. He was a hater of Christians. But then he met God. He had an encounter with God, got converted, and then became a passionate follower of Jesus himself. And Paul was to be, become such a passionate servant of God that he was to initiate the first missionary journeys away from the land of Judah, of Israel, into foreign lands and, and foreign cities. And one of those cities that he went to and uh, proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ was this city of Corinth. And Corinth was a a city of great um, significance. It was a a major trade route so that 
a whole heap of different people would travel through this city on their way between the major cities of that area. People of all different varieties, different cultures. And Corinth, as a result, was like a melting pot of, uh, of culture, of religion, of, you know, all the kind of sensuous things you could do. It was just this kind of really, really bustling city. And it was in this city that people responded as Paul preached. He preached, Jesus Christ, you can have forgiveness of sins. You can have forgiveness for the rejection of God. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and you begin an eternal relationship with him. And as people responded to Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ began. And we've just uh, read the first nine verses uh, of a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And before the letter, the church has been operating for quite some time. So Paul's been away in another place and he has just received word um, via some way, a letter perhaps, that there are issues in this kind of fledgling church in Corinth. So instead of the presence of a united community, Paul hears that there is division. And so he writes a letter of encouragement to the church. And at the heart of the letter, as we're going to come to see over the weeks ahead, is that he's saying, you are the people of God. You are the church. You are a community of of faith in Jesus. You've been called into his people and you need to behave as such. It's a letter that's addressed um, primarily or specifically to the church in Corinth. But the issues that are being addressed are issues, issues that the church today has, including the church in Wodonga and Wodonga Baps right here. So we're going to have a look at these nine verses. And on quick reading, we might uh, be at the risk of glossing over the significance of the information. We might have read it before, so we go like, yeah, yeah, read it, whatever. So, like I said before, we need to really desire to know the truth of what God might have for us tonight, to listen with a keen ear, even asking now that God would reveal to us the truth for us. In this introduction to the letter, we learn that the call of God to the believer makes three things clear for us. That if we've responded to the call of God tonight, and today, tonight, our faith is in Jesus Christ, three things are clear for us in this text. So let's have a quick look back from verses 1 to 3. It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes. Now, if you're pregnant and having a baby soon, mark that one down. That's a great name. Sosthenes. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it starts in a traditional form, the way that letters were written in the day. First, the name of the writer is stated. It's Paul and a guy called Sosthenes. Secondly, the name of the addressee is stated, that those who are going to actually receive the letter. So we've got the church in Corinth. And thirdly, a short prayer was made for the recipients. 
Grace and peace to you from God. The introduction to all that is so short, so sweet, yet an important nugget of truth for us. Probably lots if we would continue to dig even. Paul states himself as being an apostle, one who has been sent by God, that is, sent by God with a message that people can begin a relationship with God. He's an apostle. He's also a, a key leader of the church of the time. And he, as he addresses the church, he says, there's an important truth here. Verse 2, he addresses them as the church to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, to um, those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. Sanctified and called to be holy. Now, the meaning of sanctified is actually the same meaning as holy. It's to be set apart for the service of God. This is different, if you like, from choosing to live for yourself. Those called should set their lives aside over here to following the ways of Jesus Christ. It's not to do whatever you want to do. It's to set yourself aside apart for following Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing that's clear for us. It was clear for them and it's the same for us today. The church is set apart for the service of Jesus. Now, Paul even, he even mentions, that, mentions us in the text, which is kind of cool. So he says, you're called to be holy, set apart for the service of Jesus. Then he says, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord. That's us even here at Wodonga Baptist tonight. So we go to sleep at night. We wake up in the morning. We breathe. We communicate with people our entire life. Paul is saying here to be set apart for the service of Jesus, following Jesus. Now, I reckon that this is a pretty obvious call, you know. God calls people to follow Jesus Christ and we say yes, give our lives to it. Then it seems logical that because we said yes to the call that we're now set apart, yeah? That seems logical, but I think we forget that. Will we people that look at Jesus Christ that will read about him in his word and will model ourselves on him. Pretty obvious, but this is our call. I wonder how we're going. So Jesus Christ, here's some things to think about. Are we, can we set ourselves aside? This is what we're actually for. Jesus Christ, the one who walked the earth in love and justice. Are we following that? Jesus Christ, the one who undermines uh, the one who undermines the values of this world, undermining the pursuit of material possessions as people starve, this Jesus who is bucking the system, the one who loves the poor and sees right through the illusion of wealth and status, the one who wants people to experience life in all its fullness. Now, if we were to follow Jesus around in Wodonga, if he lived in the flesh today, what would we see? What things would we see Jesus do and say, and how would he challenge us to live? Jesus walking the streets of Wodonga, and you're following him, you're looking at what he's doing. 
maybe even mingling after the service here if he wanted to come to Wodonga Baps. Jesus walking onto a building site or Jesus at uni, how would he challenge us to live? Like what would we see that we just go, wow. I think he'd challenge us in a lot of ways. He would be accepting of people. He'd be loving them in such a way that would reveal how self-centered we are and how keen we are for our own comfort. We might be thinking if we followed him, we'd be, going, we'd be throwing caution towards him. You know, Jesus, don't do that. People might think you're a Darrow if you hang around with Darrows. Don't do that, Jesus. We're like, we haven't got time for that. We're a bit busy. We need to get on to the whatever. But he will not remain silent as we watch him at the unjust distribution of wealth, that we buy all the toys and stuff we don't even need while inwardly recoiling at, you know, being tight-fisted with our money. We buy heaps of stuff, yet we do that, don't we? You know, an offering or whatever, or we just go, no, no, that's my money. And what would Jesus, how would Jesus just kind of illuminate that for what it is? He'd challenge us because while we so often seek our own fulfilment, he would seek first the kingdom. So the standards are really high for us, but it's really clear. Those who say yes to the call of Jesus are to follow his example. We are to seek to live a way that Jesus lived. The church, us here tonight, is to live lives that are set apart for his service. Sort of stuff you need to go away and really reflect on and meditate on in the coming days, weeks, years. You know, how can we be more set apart for the service of Jesus? What would he be helping us do? What would he be showing us to do? So in this short little start of the letter, it's the first thing that Paul states is clear for those who answer the call and become followers of Jesus. Set apart to follow his way, not the way that the world says. And then we read something else that's clear as well. Let's read from verses 4 to 7. And Paul here, he launches into a thanksgiving. And he's thanking God for all that that he has done, that God has done in the church in Corinth. So in verse 4 he says, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. The key thing that Paul is thanking God for here is grace. Is uh, the grace God has given to the church. And specifically, specifically, he's talking about gifts. It appears that Paul has is like an eyewitness to the church in Corinth. And he has been uh, seeing what is happening amongst them. And he says, I can actually see that God has grown your understanding. He's given you a gift of understanding. And that the words you speak have been enriched. I can see that, he is saying. He says, you've been given every gift necessary. You don't lack, you don't lack any gift. So what Paul communicates to the church in Corinth is, Because you said yes to the call of Jesus Christ and you're following him now, it's clear that you as a church in Corinth, it's abundantly clear that you in Corinth 
have been given every gift you need to follow Jesus Christ to the very end. He says that is clear. You've got every gift you need to follow Jesus to the end. And just as it's the case for the church of Corinth, it's clear and true for us today in this building, in this community of Wodonga Baps. It's so clear to me that God, it's by his gracious gift, has enriched us in every way. I can see it. I can see it in the people I meet, the people I talk with, that we all have gifts and the ones that we need to help us follow him until the end. Do you believe this is true? Do you look around now and, and see that we've got the gifts that God has given us and we'll be right to, to go and live to the end? Later on in this letter of Paul's, he writes about all the different gifts that has been given by God to the church. They're called spiritual gifts. Many of us are familiar with them. In chapter 12, uh, we hear many gifts mentioned. He talks about apostolics, the apostles' gift, the prophets, the gift of being a prophet, the gift of being a teacher, the gift of being able to work miracles, the gift of uh, healing, the gift of, of helps, the gift of administration, the gift of tongues, the greater gift of love. In other passages, we hear about pastors and evangelists. And the notion is that when someone becomes a believer... They are given the Holy Spirit. This is true for every one of us. You become a believer, you're given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit manifests itself. The Holy Spirit shows itself in your life and like a gift emerges. It's like God gives you a gift as you become a believer. And it's not like, sweet, got an iPod. Sweet, I got an iPod for my birthday. Now I can listen to music and ignore the world. Yeah. Gifts are not solely for the individual. They're not solely for the individual's blessing and pleasure, although they are sure to do this, I believe. But they're given for the common good of the community. So check out this. Like, listen to this from um, Ephesians 4.12. This is the purpose of why every, why every one of us here tonight has a gift. Or gifts. It says it's to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Gifts are given to help the community grow toward maturity. Do you believe that in this body of believers here tonight, the community of the 630 congregation have been given every gift we need to follow Jesus Christ to the end, to build each other up toward maturity? Do you believe that this is the case? It's the reality. It is the reality, believe it or not. Our challenge as believers relating to spiritual gifts, I believe is twofold. Two challenges that we have. The first is find out how God's spirit is manifesting, is showing itself in your life. Find out what your spiritual gift is. That's the first challenge. What's your spiritual gift? Is it teaching? 
Is it pastoring? Is it evangelising? Is it helping? Is it praying, administrating? Is it encouraging? There's a whole lot of others apart from these as well. We need to discover what our spiritual gifts, gift or gifts are. Now, the beautiful thing is that each one of us as believers has God's Holy Spirit living within us. And therefore we have a gift or we have a gifts or we have gifts waiting to be discovered if you don't already know it. And it's beautiful because it doesn't matter if you've got a low self-esteem. It doesn't matter if you're the most confident person around because God gives you a gift. So a couple of ways um, to discover your gift. Let me um, ask you a question to get you thinking. This is a thinking time too. So is there, think about in your life, is there something that you do that helps people grow toward maturity? And maybe you enjoy it too. So is there something that you currently do that when you do it, it's like, oh, I like this and it's like, and I'm doing it and the person is like being encouraged and growing. It seems like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Is there something like that for you? So do you just love encouraging people in their faith? Maybe it doesn't happen all the time, but, but when it does, it's like, that was a buzz. And the person's going like, mm-hmm, feeling encouraged. Maybe that's you. You might have the gift of encouragement or the gift of pastor, pastoring. Or maybe do, do you just love explaining things to people out of the Bible? And you, when you pick it up and, you, and, you, and someone's got a question, you start talking to them about it. It's like, Man, this is going to be a buzz and a person's going like, that's helpful for me and following Jesus. Maybe you've got the gift of teaching. Do you love organising or helping behind the scenes? Are people encouraged by this? You may well have the, the gift of, of administrating. Or maybe do you just love praying for people or telling people about Jesus or helping people in need? It all might indicate a gift that is either fully realised you know all about it or it's just a bud and it's waiting to kind of blossom, if you like. And then with any of these things, it's the goal of Ephesians, if you like. So are people encouraged by what you do? Because that's a sure way of seeing, man, that person is, is gifted in that. And you might like to, um, maybe you just look at yourself and you go like, I'm dirt, I'm rubbish, I've got nothing, you know, which some of us do that. Ask a friend. Ask them, say, hey, what do you think? Do you see anything in me that I could be gifted in? And then you have to listen and receive it as well. Um, so what is it? What's the gift that God's given you? I, I photocopied about oh, a few sheets of uh, paper, and on it it's like a spiritual gift discovery exercise. It sounds all fantastic. Um, and it's like a tool for like answering questions and working out, gee, is this, gee, I wonder, maybe my gift is here. Kind of you answer questions and it directs you to what it might be. So at the end of the service, if you're a keen bean or you're not a keen bean but you want to, if you're whatever, you want to interest a little bit, please come and grab one off me. So the first challenge relating to spiritual gifts is find out what you've been given. That's really, really important. And then the second challenge of the two, pretty obvious, use your gift. Use your gift to encourage, to build up the community, the people of God. So again, I'll read this passage out. The purpose of a gift 
to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. We need to use our gifts to serve the community, to help build it toward maturity. That's why God has given you a gift. I want to let you know about, uh, let you on about a little bit of a secret. Here it is. There are three pastors in this church. Pastors. Okay? Just three. If it was up to three people to encourage every person in their faith and grow the church depend and the growth of the church depended solely on their gifts, the church would not grow. God provides us with gifts from his spirit for the church to grow. Every person. We are the church. We represent the body of Christ. And as we serve one another, the body will grow. We'll grow numerically and we'll grow spiritually. Now, some of us may well need to talk to someone about you know, a friend or a, uh, you know, a small group leader or a pastor, whatever, about finding a place where you can serve or where you can use your gifts. Some of us, if we're not using our gifts to you know, see the church grow toward maturity, if you're a believer, talk to someone, please. But others of us may simply already be doing it. Okay, you might just naturally do it, either in a formal church ministry or an informal kind of way with the people you interact with. Wherever we are at, the goal surely has to be to grow and to use the gift more, to see it grow to its fulfilment, to continue to grow one another toward maturity. Joel Keeble is a person of the second category. I asked you for permission. This is why, Joel. Um, someone who just uses their gifts. He's uh, probably, before he even knew what spiritual gift Joel had, he was just using it. He was just being himself and he was encouraging other people in their faith. It was fascinating to see Joel just naturally hang out with people and really encourage them in their faith. And I, I remember when Joel first started growing and getting switched on and loving it, it was like hearing about all these stories about Joel Keeble. And many of you have probably been a part of it. Just taking random stories, taking people on driving lessons or tutoring people, random events, random conversations. And it just seems that Joel finds ways of encouraging people. And it's like a pastoring gift. I reckon, Joel, like, it's clear, mate. Pastoring, encouraging, he just does it. And the people that have been encouraged by him is... It's just all praise goes to God in the way he's gifted him and the way he's using his gifts. Keep it up, Joel. Now he's uh, serving Youth United, more formal, but it's a forum where he can be serving and seeing the body of Christ grow toward maturity. How can you use your gift or gifts to help build the church to maturity? Now, many of us here are really keen to keep growing in our faith. I reckon there's a, I feel at times there's a bit of a hum and people are just like, gotta keep growing. There's a real passion to keep growing and learning and, and just kind of 
moving closer towards Jesus. If this is you and you want to move beyond merely an intellectual or a I'm mature because I know kind of space, if this is you and you want to keep growing, then discover your gift and use your gift. That will grow you to another place, I guarantee. That will, and it will help build the church to maturity, but it will grow you. I'm amazed that um, as I've been serving here at Wodonga Baps, God has been like refining me no end and uh, teaching me so much stuff. And I've got to say that um, there are times, I'm not sure if it's like every day or every second day, <laughs> that is so painful as God shapes me, as I seek to serve him and, and use my gifts to help build up the church. It's been flipping painful. But God has grown my faith through using my gifts as I step out of the comfort zone, as I seek to just serve people, God's just like doing some stuff. No credit to me at all. All credit to God and the way he grows us through things. I reckon if you want to go deeper, if you want to grow more in your faith, find your gift and start using it and God will grow you. So, if we've responded yes to the call of Jesus Christ to come follow him, two things are so far clear. That's that. We as a church are set apart to follow Jesus Christ in this world. And we've been given the gifts we need to make it to the end and build the church toward maturity. It's just a matter of finding out what they are and start encouraging one another. And there's one more thing that's clear um, from the text, and this will be snappy. Um, if you look back at verse 8, um, it says, God will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Those called to follow Jesus, those that are following him will make it to the end. There it is. Clear, crystal clear. Those who are following him called by him, will make it to the end. And not only will we make it to the end, but this is amazing. When we're face to face with God, picture that, <laughs> impossible, right? When we're face to face with a holy God and at times we have a glimpse of that and you just go like, oh, not worthy, I'm sorry, Lord, you know what I mean? Like, but when we're face to face with this God, he's going to see us and he's going to see you as blameless. Your faith is in Christ. Blameless before God. Because of the forgiveness we have in Jesus, not guilty. Our sin won't separate us. No condemnation. And you heard it before as Gail spoke. No condemnation in Jesus. It's like in the first nine verses of this letter. Paul is saying, by your calling to follow Jesus, your life is now set apart for following Jesus Christ. Hard stuff, uh-huh, but don't worry. I've given the, you the gifts that you need. I've given you the gifts that you need to kind of continue to grow toward maturity and make it to the end. And then he says, when you get there, you're going to be blameless. You're going to meet God face to face and he's going to see you as 
without blemish, free from accusation. This confidence, this um, reality, even as hard as it is now living for Jesus and seeking to use our gifts to build up the church, despite how hard it is, our reality is just a dead certainty or an alive certainty, however you like to see it. That should just um, enliven us, I believe. That should just set us here now to live just so much for Jesus. This morning, um, for those of you that didn't come this morning to church, there was a, uh, the Malawi team uh, was sharing about some of their experiences in Africa. And um, we heard it and they were challenging and they were confronting and they were like, just like tears at seeing the poverty. Um, people just, you could tell the team is just, you know, it's just really touched them and really broken them. And... Uh, one of the stories that just kind of stood out to me, one of like so many, um, was that in the middle of the poverty, I think James um, was talking about it, James Punton, he was just saying that you have this poverty, you have this needless pain, you have just people like this AIDS woman who's like 37, she's dying soon, she's got a 10-year-old kid, no way of looking after herself, sister looking after her. And, and it's kind of like in the middle of this, these believers in the poverty are just going, I'm going to go and die one day and I'm going to be with God for eternity. And now they have the joy. Now they have this keen awareness of this is, that's the window. Death is just the window to this amazing thing. And it just seems from what they were saying this morning that there's a, a great passion. The people aren't hiding their faith. People are... Just eternity inspires them to live now for Jesus Christ. To set their lives apart for the purpose of following him, using every God-given gift to encourage one another toward a goal. The inspiration we should have by thinking about this, by dwelling on it, meditating on it, to live right now in Aubrey Wodonga for his glory. The potential is there. I wonder if we grab hold of it enough. So knowing that because we follow Christ, we will make it to the end, blameless in the presence of God. That is clear, people. That is crystal clear for those who have said yes to the call. Well, I don't know how they did it, right? But um, they certainly did. They played Geelong one week and get an absolute pantsing. They got decisively flogged. A hundred points in a final is enough to make you cry, and I'm sure they did. But then the following week, North Melbourne, yesterday they come out and they play football. Only this time they win. They beat Hawthorne. Bad luck, Jonathan Stark. Mad Hawk supporter. Any Hawthorne supporters here? Yeah, you're ashamed, I know already. No, bad luck. Better luck next year. Now, Hawthorne isn't Geelong. Not at all. But they still, nonetheless, North Melbourne, they win. And they were underdogs on the day. And it must have been that, I tell you what, after that right pantsing they got, during the week they would have done some serious thinking. I reckon they must have put the rest of their lives on halt. And I bet they were um, rest of their lives on halt. And their lives became like, let's get serious, okay, Fully focused, set apart, 
for playing the game, for winning the next game. There would have been nothing else in their minds that week. They would have been thinking about it, just just building it up and going, okay, guys, let's forget about what's going on outside in the world and what normally takes my attention and let's just focus on the game. Let's focus on beating Hawthorne next week. And they played and they used their gifts, they used their skill, they would have used their words and they would have been talking each other up, just spurring each other on. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. And they did it. And that is just football. They're not living for the cause of the kingdom. They're not fighting this fight. Paul says, be set apart for following Jesus to the end. Totally, totally set apart. Find your gift, your gifts, and use them so that we can be one and make it to the end, building each other to to maturity. And all the while knowing that the victory is ours in Christ. Let's go, people. Let's move. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,